Hello, everyone. This is Josh Williams here. Uh, welcome again to the Elm City Vineyard. It is a hard, sad, crazy day. I was just actually at the protest probably 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, Daniqua, our good news and social engagement pastor, is there right now with a few other people. Um, and I just want to start this time off by praying. I really think we need to pray for our city. Um, it's so easy for these situations uh, to change on a dime. And New Haven, I've seen for the last, I don't know, 16 years, so many peaceful protests. That's basically all I've seen. Um, but at certain ones, I've sensed a spirit of violence that could just slip in. And as I was there, that's what I sense right now. I hope I'm not being overdramatic or uh, responding to alarm in my own spirit. But I actually think that's, like, true. I think that um, is something that, like, we can discern. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that, a little bit of that later. But please join me in just praying right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now uh, for folks in our city. Uh, I pray, God, specifically for folks who are protesting right now. I pray, God, that they would be given a spirit of your justice, of your peace, of your love. God, I pray for police who are involved. There's so many I saw that uh, seem to be doing a good job of keeping a version of at least crowd control peace. Um, I pray that, God, that that would be even deeper. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? We pray that no violence would befall our city tonight in the name of Jesus. We pray that right now as things are uh, a little bit more, uh, there's just more people, it's light outside. God, I pray that as it gets darker and as night falls, there would be no violence in our city. That no lives would be lost tonight in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do that work in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've told Daniqua to text me if there's updates for prayer. I mean, this is going to be a sermon. I, you know, I prepared it. But hey, if Daniqua says, let's pray right now, we're going to interrupt what we're doing and we're going to pray. And that's going to basically be true for the rest of our service. Um, so please uh, just continue to pray and intercede. Um, so clearly, as you know, it's been a hard week uh, for a number of reasons. You know, we passed the 100,000 mark for lives lost through COVID-19. Um, even though America is only 4% of the world's, world's population, we have about 25% of the world's cases. Um, this is something that is crazy. When you look at uh, the population that has lost their lives, we see people in vulnerable groups, elderly, people who are immunocompromised, black and brown populations. This is who is getting COVID and who's dying. You know, obviously on Monday, George Floyd of Minneapolis was murdered uh, by uh, some police. You know, cities around the country are in a stunning mix of protest and revolt. Um, last night at those protests in my city uh, that where I was born in Indianapolis, a life was taken uh, at the protest. We don't know how yet. The details haven't come out. Uh, but these aren't just violent protests with, you know, what people are kind of bickering back and forth in terms of looting and property, but they're actually lives that are at stake. And one was taken last night. Again, circumstances unknown. These are the facts for all of us generally, but we're still grappling with a pandemic, right? Like, meanwhile, a pandemic is still happening. Economic uncertainty and turmoil and personal losses. On a personal note for me in that same city of Indianapolis, on Friday, my grandfather was buried and I wasn't able to be with him. I'm hurting because of that. It's been a hard, hard week. And yet here we are today at Pentecost, the day that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys know this day, you've celebrated it before. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing this word Pentecost. It's totally okay. 
As I lean into what this day means now, Pentecost for us in 2020, I want to go back to see what did Pentecost mean for these original followers of Jesus. 50 days, that's Penta, right? 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, disciples had not done much. Their noteworthy actions in terms of what was recorded is picking a disciple that we never hear from again. Like that's what they've been up to, that and waiting. They'd been told by Jesus weeks before, stay in your city, shelter there, do not leave, wait for the spirit to come. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like a lot of phrases from Jesus, I'm not sure if the disciples knew what this meant. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. These disciples hearing that oppressed, occupied citizens of an empire, not their own, the Roman Empire, heard about a gift from God and the Holy Spirit, and they asked one question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? No clarifications about the Spirit of God, like God's own Spirit, about baptism, this thing that they had learned about from Jesus was really important in Jesus' story and perhaps their own, or about a gift from their Heavenly Father. Only one question. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Perhaps sheltering in place got them a little bit confused. All these weeks being in the same place without seeing Jesus or his work, or maybe like us, maybe other people that we just haven't seen. Jesus effectively responds to this with a very religious version of none your business. And he adds, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The disciples are called to witness near, close, over there with them, Samaria, right? They're kind of enemy people and everywhere. Jesus, will our nation become great again, finally? Nanya. But you'll have power to be a witness here, close, over there with them and everywhere. Here's the headline for today, the good news I feel like God's trying to impart to us. No earthly nation is a true kingdom as much as they might try to convince you. The Spirit of God resists false kingships and empowers bodies that truly belong to the rightful king, empowers them with the Holy Spirit. If we're invested in any kingdom beyond the one built by a crucified and resurrected king, at best, we must be deeply suspicious of that investment. And at its most dangerous, we might not be disciples of this otherworldly or present kingdom at all. Instead of nation building, the Spirit empowers Jesus followers, anyone who calls on his name, to go here, close, near, over there with them and everywhere. He calls us to a life of witnessing to this strange man of Jesus and his coming kingdom. Now, let me tell you something. Fact, right? If the Spirit of God did absolutely nothing, I would be deeply suspicious of this message, especially as a black man. Give up my hope for a better nation, and all you're doing is telling me to wait, Jesus? This doesn't make any sense. Why would I divest my hope into something, even if I haven't seen it come, I can still believe in my bones for something I haven't seen yet? But the Spirit of God changes everything. Pentecost changes everything. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit has the same power now that he had at Pentecost, that was at the raising of Jesus, resurrection. That same spirit power is present in this room today and wherever you're watching too. I've experienced it time and time again. It's true. So what does that change of a kingdom coming with power look like? Well, let's look at the account of Pentecost. Before we do that, I want to just share that this word Pentecost is rich with meaning. Of course, we know it's 50 days, but also it's more than just this holiday or celebration that's celebrating the coming of the Spirit. Both in ancient days and right now, Jewish communities celebrate a, a, a day called Shavuot, this day of the harvest. And it's a day that's a, also called the Festival of Weeks. When they're celebrating the, the coming of the harvest, they're celebrating the Torah, the law that's been given to them by Moses and by God. And they're also celebrating, kind of interesting, right, given our season, Jubilee, which has this connection with 50, 50 years in the case of Jubilee. They're celebrating all of that. People flock back to this heavenly city, this great place of God in ancient times known as Jerusalem. They want to celebrate and be together, even with their difference in nationality or ethnic groups. Everyone had a tie to their Jewish identity somehow, but the crowd was diverse. That's who's gathered 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. Here's how Luke puts it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in their own tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in their own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Camphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's so much to break down here in this passage. You've got the coming of the Spirit on the disciples. They go out and immediately people are speaking different languages and they're not knowing how how is this happening, that they understand each in the language that they speak. It's crazy, miraculous. And then Peter gets up and decides to speak, and he speaks these ancient words from another prophet from long ago named Joel. And he says, that thing, 
back then that Joel spoke of, that's happening now. Let's go back to our headline for today. No earthly nation is a true kingdom as much as they might try to convince us. The Spirit of God it resists false kingships and empowers real bodies, real people who are calling out for the name of Jesus. If we're invested in any other kingdom, in any other nation, at best, it's an investment we should be suspicious of. And at worst, we're, we might wonder, are we really disciples of this otherworldly kingdom? Remember, instead of nation building, the Spirit empowers Jesus' followers. Anyone who calls on his name to go here, near, and close, over there with them, the, that other, and then also everywhere. If this is all true, if this story is true, if the Spirit can do work today, if that's true, the Spirit is hugely important for life. That's not just a fidelity to an idea, a commitment to this kind of philosophy of Christianity, but rather a connection to a person who will give us power to be witness to a crucified and resurrected king. So we've got to ask the question, what is the Spirit like? The Spirit that comes into a room like rushing wind, collectively falls, but then separates and becomes individual on each disciple. The Spirit is violent and powerful, giving a corporate experience, but also an individual one. Spirit moving in supernatural ways that seem to require waiting. Remember, they waited 50 days for this experience. This is some of what the Spirit's like. Let's keep thinking. What's the Spirit like? The Spirit speaks in many tongues of all different nations, allowing for diversity, but also necessitating the Spirit for translation. If you remember the story of the Tower of Babel, this tower that was built up so high for one culture, for one empire, and one language, this isn't that. Babel was a project for empire. The Spirit honors these cultural differences while allowing for understanding only through the Spirit's power, through discernment of what people are saying through the Holy Spirit. These folks would have no hope for understanding each other except for the Spirit of God. The Spirit can bring unlikely people together to hear, to discern, to understand, to be sent out. The Spirit is for everyone, sons, daughters, young, old, men, women. The Spirit is empowering divine speech, prophecy, dreams, and visions. The Lord is coming in glory that sounds wondrous and also potentially terrifying. Because of the work of the Spirit, anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Peter's the one that shares this with us. Presumably, he was among that group, right, that said, Jesus, is this time to restore the kingdom to Israel just a few weeks ago? But corrected by the Spirit, his self-righteous nationalism is replaced by Spirit-glorifying openness. All it takes is Jesus. Call his name no matter who you are. Regardless of your status as an ally or an oppressor to Israel, you can receive what Jesus' blood brought into the world. The Spirit of God falling on all flesh. Instead of water, it's a fire this time. The fire of baptism. Not the fires of nation building. Or even the fires of nations coming down. This is a fire that's far more subversive. The fire that brings forth the birth of the church. The church, the church of God. Not a place for mere weekly attendance or neat Sunday hats or calls for submission and docility to the powers that be or only selective moral messages, or partisan politics dressed up with verses. Not that, but the church. The one that Jesus calls forth. The one that's birthed with fire from a place of waiting and trust. 
the true church, the gathering of different people from different cultures with different backgrounds, all bowing down and worship to one true king, and then listening to God's purposes through the power of the Spirit, visions, dreams, prophecies, scriptures, our fumbled attempts at sharing our experiences with one another, trying to listen to honor one another. The work of the church is to gather together before one ruler, to bow down to the only ruler who died to save us and was resurrected. Not someone just with power, not someone just with authority, not any kind of bully, but this ruler who calls himself friend, this ruler that calls himself father, loving parent, this ruler that is inside of us, the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is call his name. We listen for these calls and instructions, all from a place of love, somehow rest and somehow urgency that like kind of pair together and utter delight. It makes no sense, but that's the church. And as people said, the building might be closed, but the church itself is open. The church is you listening wherever you are, a part of a bigger community of people you know and don't know. That's the church. The Spirit brings forth this new reality of the church where anyone who calls in the name of Jesus Anyone who's willing to be saved will be. And who is the Spirit speaking to? Because we need to turn a corner. This isn't the Spirit just speaking to these righteous 12 people that had walked with Jesus, even the new one, walking with the disciples in authority and power. Who is the Spirit speaking to? Not just them. The Spirit's speaking to a bunch of people, celebrating a harvest 50 days after the Son of God died through mob justice, religious corruption, and state power. It turns out if you wait more than 50 days after a traumatic event, people just want to reopen and go back to normal. Not that that's anything happening now. But the Spirit is speaking to these people. Not just the disciples, but these people just gathered to have a good time. In the name of the Lord, of course, but that's what they're doing. But 50 days ago, the Savior of the world was up on a cross. The Spirit's speaking to these people. People that actually yelled out, crucify him, crucified him. People that were apathetic didn't even know maybe what was going on. People that were impotent, maybe at best, to do anything. People who waited for obedience 50 days later. Maybe some people that just showed up that day, ready for a festival. The Spirit was at work. The Spirit did something new. So can I give some real talk to y'all? I'll wait for people in here to say it. Okay, I got some mm-hmmms, got some yes. The live chat's going to have a lag. I assume I'll get someone. Maybe Ian Miller will say something. I don't know. But I want to give you some real talk. What we're experiencing is not new. It's old. Not Emmett Till old, but ancient. Before Jesus was born, there were multiple revolutionary messiahs proclaiming freedom for the Jewish people who were oppressed by the Roman state, an occupying force that rolled over them in a way that affected their entire experience of life. Even the Roman occupying force invaded Jerusalem just 70 years before Jesus was born. People were taxed heavily. There was a big divide between the wealthy and the poor. Even the religious elites of the time made kind of deals with Rome to say, can you just back off a little bit here? And we'll add like a kind of a temple tax for, for, for you. And it'll just be part of people's worship. This kind of weird mix of state and church together. If we were to place ourselves in the story with where we are now, I think we'd find something maybe, maybe shocking, maybe not. Because the thing is, for, for as much as we think this time is new or different, it's simply people who are oppressed 
sharing that this has happened before and you're just taking notice. And people who have oppressed saying either, I don't care, I'm starting to care, I'm with you, but I don't know what to do. There's a variety of those reactions. None of that's new. In fact, I think we could say that's happened time and time again. And again, you guys asked me, well, you guys didn't ask me if I should be real, but I asked you, can I be real? 50 days after Ferguson, that might be the only one where things were still happening on the ground with the community. 50 days after Baltimore, what were you doing? What was ECV doing? What were communities there doing? 50 days after Dallas, after Minneapolis, not this time, but last time, after Jacksonville, after all these cities, all these times, what were we doing just 50 days after? Because my guess is things went kind of back to normal. It's easy to sit here now in a place of outrage, and I'm not even going to comment if that's right or wrong, but it's just easy to do because things are outrageous. But the question is, what does it mean to wait for the Spirit to come? And to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? And I actually want to pause. One is because I have a prayer request from Daniqua. And two, I want to actually just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? So let's check in. Daniqua says we should pray for one voice. The movement wants to be unified in its approach. Let's pray for unity, even for ones that are protesting. Also pray for the city this evening. Folks are angry. They've been here all day. It's what we shared earlier. And pray that we people feel heard and that city officials make some sort of move to say that they've been heard. So let's pray. And then actually I'm just going to kind of wait to see what the Spirit says next. God, we continue to pray for our city, to pray for our our ourselves to be trusting and waiting in you and with you. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? God, we pray for our city, that you would be with people who are protesting now, especially those that have started even before 12, that you'd be with their physical bodies, God, giving them stamina and courage and a right mind, that you would give the movement unity. I know that part of what happens with protests, especially ones that want to stay peaceful, is that there's factions, and there's frustration, and ultimately there's a kind of like... Uh, lifting up sometimes of voices that are uh, less constructive, more negative for what might happen. It's usually not what the whole group wants, but it just kind of starts to go that way. God, we pray for your peace to still be on this protest. And we pray for officials in the city to be able to do something that would be winsome, that would be compelling, that would be uh, enough for people to know, I feel heard, I feel seen, and there might even be commitments for action that let me know we're on the path of justice. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? In each home, with each person, what are you saying to them? Thank you that you speak individually and corporately, sometimes in a violent way like the fires of the Spirit falling on people, sometimes in a quiet way. Thank you, God, that as we hear from you, we can speak to one another, and you can interpret and help us discern. We're, we're different, different folks in ECV, but you can help us understand each other.
And God, thank you that we're all in this. You've called us all to this table. This isn't just for black folk or for white folk or for Asian folk or for native folk or for Latino folk. God, it's not just for one ethnicity, but you've called nations, ethnos, to be together through this thing called the church. We thank you, God. One thing I feel the Spirit saying now, and I feel like was just something that was, uh, the Spirit's pressing on my heart, is the Spirit is showing up in this passage, giving of the Spirit self from a place of people were in betrayal of Jesus before, but now the generosity of the Spirit is offered. People had said, crucify him, and then were now speaking in other tongues. People had been on a bandwagon against Jesus, then all of a sudden were invited to this miraculous journey to follow him. The birthplace of the church is through the fire of the Spirit that turns enemies into friends and family. One of the scandals, not just of the gospel, of the church, is the church is a place for that. Where loving your enemy is not just being walked over. It's not just dying, but it's resurrection. It's power. It's dignifying. And I think there's a word for us in our community specifically, that this love of enemy, this enemy love, is not weak. It's not nothing. Because certainly a lot of people have thought nonviolent whatever is doing nothing. That's not what this is that we're called to. It's showing up and saying that we're dignified because we're made in the image of God. And so is every other human on this planet. And we resist violence taking something. We admit that we have a desire to do that. And we kill that in ourselves first to walk out peace in a different way. It's not weakness, it's strength. And so one of the questions that I feel like God's asking our community is, do you believe that ECV? Do you think you have something to share in that? Or is that something that just happened a long time ago? Politicized through our school books, made passive through a man who is dead, MLK, and not something that anyone could take up on. And something that ultimately looked like doing nothing, just using words. Let's be this, but we don't show what this is. When you think about a festival that gets taken over by a spirit, the spirit of God, and people start to speak in different tongues, all of a sudden this cultural moment becomes seized by the spirit of God. That looks like a creative form of protest to me. But maybe it's different than what's going on in our city right now. Holy Spirit, would you give us an imagination? Would you change our mind about what this could be? And could the church be part of it? Not just a part, not just clapping, not just hashtagging or retweeting, but actually with our skin in the game, on the line. I want to give you two scenes of me seeing the kingdom, just parts of it, not all of it, just parts. And I'm like, that's something. Not everything, but it's something. And I feel like there's something of God in this. I'm going to share a little bit about something coming up, invitations, communion, and then we'll change and transition, but fired up a little bit. There, there was something that my friend showed me that happened yesterday. It was with Chief Reyes, the chief of police in New Haven. Uh, I've known him since 2014. He's not a close friend or anything like that, but we're colleagues. We know each other. Um, he would recognize me. I would recognize him. He always talks about his mom praying for him, and I've always been really encouraged by that. He has a praying mom. I think he might have some kind of relationship with God. I don't know, but he stood on top 
of the steps yesterday in front of New Haven PD where the protests are happening actually right now as we speak. And he said to his community of police officers, we're going to protest right now. This is our protest. And we're going to say right now, we stand against police brutality. The police protesting police brutality. They stood up. They said those words together in unison, kind of like our litany from earlier. And then they said something else. They actually took a vow. Like before everyone, this was live streamed, they took a vow to protect us, to protect our city. Now, I'm not glib, right? That could be broken tonight. But when I saw that, the heart in that, the courage in that, to say, we're going to commit ourselves to you once again. Maybe this is something that they've already done, being sworn in, but they said it's important for us to stand on these steps where maybe protesters will stand the next day and to say we commit ourselves to you again, to your good, to your well-being. I see a glimpse of the kingdom in that. Just about 20, 30 minutes ago, I was biking back from the protest to come here to share this message with you. And there was two cop cars on the green. I guess someone maybe had climbed the pole and they had taken the American flag and people were shouting, burn the flag, burn the flag, burn the flag. And the police were following the protocol that you do with the flag and folding it up. And then someone just goes, burn the flag, burn the flag, gets closer and closer. And you know who stood between the police officer and that man? I don't know his story, but he seemed disgruntled. He seemed uh, just really obviously frustrated and maybe not, not in his right mind. A young black woman stood in between them. She didn't say anything, but she offered a presence a presence of peace, an intervention, an interruption. That looks like the church to me. Doing something creative to stop something, even if it's just for a moment, so that fire of violence and anger doesn't become a powder keg. We were all watching, but no one asked that young woman to do that. She felt something and said, you know what, I'm going to interrupt. I think that's the spirit of God at loose in our city. I think that's happening even right now. I think the Spirit of God is calling people, whether they know Jesus or not, to respond to that impulse. And as the church, we can become aware of that, that the Spirit of God is working, whether we'd like it to work in certain people or not. Remember, here, that's where he's working, close, near, over there with them, and everywhere. And as followers of Jesus, we get to find that in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world. And say, hey, that's the work of the Spirit. Can we come alongside you? What if the work of the church is actually just doing that together and submitting it before God. Hey, is this protest worship right now? Is this looting worship right now? Is us hashtagging and retweeting worship? Like, what is the worship of God? What if churches coming together and asking those questions and discerning it before the Lord? In our series this summer, we're going to be asking that question, what is church? A lot of things have been taken away from us that would signify church, being here in this building. But what if that's not the most important thing? And what if this season of those things taken away from us, those creature comforts, actually can point us to what church really is? Come Holy Spirit. Come with your power right now. Would you teach us what it means to be the church, the true church, the church of God? Teach us to be a discerning community. Teach us to follow you, to have one God, and to trust in your leadership, to believe in your redemption that anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, and to actually wait for the Spirit of God to animate our lives 
Like I said, anyone that would follow this without trusting in the Spirit or knowing the Spirit or experiencing the Spirit, I would be suspicious too. But the Spirit of God is real. He's calling you. The Spirit's calling you right now. And I want to pray that the Spirit does deep work in you in our time of communion, in our time of worship, that you would know the Spirit's power so you would know the Spirit's worth waiting for, that the Spirit is at work in people, everyone you see, that you would trust that more and more, that you would trust that the Spirit of God is working in you to change you, to transform you, to make something new. Do you think the Spirit wants it to be the same old story where 50 days from now we won't even remember this moment? That's not what the Spirit is here for. The Spirit is here for newness, but the Spirit uses us, chooses us, wants our commitment. Holy Spirit, make us be those kind of people that can latch on to you, can commit to you, and can trust that your Spirit will do good enough work to keep us going along, that we'll waver to and fro, the left and right, but with the Spirit being a plumb line, we'll get there with you, with your help, and with the help of the church, both this local church and the church at large. We have a few invitations. I'm going to ask Nate to just put them on the screen. These are things you can look at, you can see. These are invitations for you to take seriously this week. Seeing where you can repent before the Lord, where you can get curious about, is the Spirit of God at work in me? You can ask what the Spirit's doing. So take a look at those. See how those could be practical to you. And as you guys look at those on the screen, I want to just introduce communion briefly. We've been talking about this event of the cross and this Jesus that would love us so much to die for our sake. Love us so much to not make sin or evil a big deal for us, but to say, I'm actually going to take the brunt of this. To say, it's worth Saying, Father, I forgive them for they know not what they do. Holy Spirit, would you make this story of the cross real to us? And would you let us know when we consume these elements, we become people that are open to loving our enemy. It's not a promise of not to die, but it is a promise that we would be, remain strong in the Spirit. Lord, even if you might lead us to death, we pray that you would give us strength and courage and dignity. Have us choose that willingly. So even as we take communion willingly, the bread, the body of Christ, dip it into the cup, the blood of Jesus, I pray, God, that we would be changed. God, I pray that right now there would just be a seriousness about this act, that we would ask God, God, I don't know where I'll be in 50 days. I don't know what, even what's going to happen. Like, we just don't know in this world right now. We've never known, but it really feels that way. But God, I'm, I'm asking for longevity this time a true kind of longevity for my discipleship, for my commitment to sacrifice, to serve you, to serve others, my commitment to let my faith be spirit-led, not stale, not just my best hope, my best wish, not just a kind of uh, 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 even the best, uh, the best laid out fidelity, but a true devotion that's a living devotion. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In this time of worship, would you meet us in a powerful way, God? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.